You're listening to The B-Side, a podcast of Blessed Hope Community Church. Hey, this is Malia, as usual, and today I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Matt. He's he's waving if you... Yeah, that's my bad. I forgot... (laughs) Never mind. He's busy drinking his coffee. Um, and today we're missing Pastor David and Shauna. Shauna's on quarantine. Mm-hmm. David just, I don't know, didn't want to come hang out with us. I guess not. He said he, he, said he felt bad. I, I okay. don't know if he meant he felt bad so he didn't want to come because he right. feels physically ill or if he felt bad that he didn't want to be here. Right. I mean, it's like one of those things where David has his own scale <laughs> that's different from what right. our scale would be. <laughs> For the rest of us, it's a pain scale, right? One to ten. How does it feel? For him, it's a, it's a, it's a lethargy scale. Like, <laughs> do I want to get over there? Nah. And this is what happens. This is your consequence of not being here That's for the right. podcast. Is we get to like you know make jokes about you and whatnot. That's right. So, <laughs> That's right. Um, so gosh, the last couple weeks we have covered a lot of ground. In our uh, long story short series, uh, two weeks ago, David went through quickly the kingdom. Uh, you preached on the prophets this past Sunday. Um, so yeah, there is a lot. We're talking about 1,200 years yeah. worth of, of biblical history in the nation of Israel and what God's doing. 1,200 years or so. And so, yeah, there was a lot. To, it is long story short. That was an appropriate name. <laughs> For the series. Absolutely. Um, so obviously there's no way we can begin to break down everything that happens in that time. But I think maybe we'll just hit some highlights, maybe some of our favorites yeah. uh, today and kind of see where that takes us. Yeah. See, the, and that's the danger of a series like this, right? Is there's so much that you have to leave out when you're just trying to give people an idea of what happens in the flow of the story of scripture. Right. And so... Um, we tend to focus on the narratives in those that we like best. Because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, it, they're historical books, they're, they're narratives, um, stories that we've learned as kids or whatever. And, you know, those are the ones we focus on. And so even if we know that signpost, we only know little bits about it. And so I think it's good that we, if, to just take a, a broader look. Yeah, definitely. Um, where would you like to start? Well, I mean, I think it would be fair to start with um, to start with King Saul. Um, I mean, that is that's the the beginning of this that that Pastor David was talking about uh, when he started the kingdom. Is is the people said they wanted a king, um, told him, "No, you you really don't want a king. You want to continue to be who God's called you to be," um, and um, and. and they said no. We we want we want a king, and so God said fine. And we didn't really get into a lot of the details about that. But you know what God does first is He gives them what they think they want. He finds the guy that's the biggest, um, and 
um, is it okay to say the handsomest, right? Like, <laughs> yes. like, like he's, uh, apparently Saul is a good looking dude. Um, <laughs> you know, you get the picture that he's big, he's muscular. It says he's head and shoulders above everybody else physically. Yeah. Um, and so God gives them what they think they want, which is a king. And that's kind of who the people, when they look at, they would say, yeah, he fits the bill as a king. And so they would select him and, um, but the thing about Saul, and, and and you know what, to go back, God makes him, God makes him the same promise that he makes the first king um, every time. The promise is, if you obey, I will bless you, I will make you great, you will always have offspring on the throne, and I will... Um, bring something great through your lineage. God made Saul the same promise he makes David. And we're this coming week, we're about to get up on um, is, is uh, you know, the Messiah, right? The, the coming king that's in the line of David. Well, God made Saul that promise first, mm-hmm. right? He made that offer. Like, if you are um, a king that follows me, Right. If you put me in front of you and you just follow me and you're obedient to me, I will do for you all of these things. So everything that that God did for David, he promised to do for Saul and Saul just wouldn't have it. Right. He just kept, you know, he tried, but he kept wandering off and going his own way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, eventually Saul ends up as a guy that, that we 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 remember as having no heart for God. And I don't think that was his intention. I don't think Saul ever woke up and said, man, I want to be disobedient today. (laughs) I mean, do we? Do we? (laughs) I mean, like, but I mean, honestly, I I think he always wanted to honor God. Mm -hmm. He also just didn't have enough faith to do what it took to honor God. And so he took shortcuts a lot. And when he took shortcuts, um, he was disobedient, and God brought discipline, and he didn't take the discipline well, and things just spiraled out of control for him. But I think it started small, right? It started with just this compromise here or there, um, and and God eventually just removes the blessing and says, you know what? Um, all those things that I said you could have if you were obedient, you can't have now. Your line will not continue on the throne. Um, you won't bless the entire world because uh, through your lineage, and, and and it just he 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 removed that blessing, and um, you know, kind of the the crux of it was was just you know he offered sacrifices that he shouldn't have offered because he was afraid of the people. Um, he didn't destroy a king like he was supposed to, um, and put him to death. A king was wicked and evil. Instead, he took him hostage. Um, when God clearly said, no, we want you to destroy him. And and eventually, um, God just says, you know what? We're going to go a different direction. We're going to choose a new king. Um, and the interesting thing is that, that God doesn't replace Saul while he's on the throne. Um, he replaces Saul at the end of his life, not in the middle right. of it. Which, um, you know, God continues to... to you know, allow him to keep his position. Um, it just doesn't move on to his son the way that that it normally would have. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we get to David, who is completely different, 
right? He gives in Saul, God gives the people the king that that looks like he fits the role, but his heart is wrong. With uh-huh. David, he gives them a teenage boy. Um, and he says, you know, this is the one who's who's got a heart that's after my heart. And, and he is the one that I'm going to put on the throne. And he is the one that I'm going to give all of these blessings through. And David stumbles in his life. He falls down. He makes oh, mistakes. Oh, man, does he ever. Yeah, he, he does. It's like a bad soap opera. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about him a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but the thing about David is when he screws up, mm-hmm. he owns it. He repents. He confesses to God, and um, he moves forward in forgiveness. And that's that's a pattern that we all need to get comfortable with. Yeah. Because we will all jack it up. Yep. Um, but when we repent and when we ask God for forgiveness, the Word says mm-hmm. he's faithful to forgive mm-hmm. and redeems us and restores our relationship. And but yeah, let's talk David. I th- well, I think that's one thing that's super notable about David is that, yeah, he messes up a lot, but he always repents and it's always with you know good motives and a pure heart and um and and i think that's what separates him from a lot of the uh questionable dudes (laughs) in in the bible yeah um yeah, and, and I think, you know what, it, for us as Christians, you know, sometimes even in church leadership, you know, we, we wonder sometimes when people are what appears to be wantonly sinful, right? Like, what happened? And I think we break into two camps. You know, there's the Saul camp where we are wantonly sinful and we just chase our sin no matter what, even when we know it's wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and then you break into the David kind of camp where we do stupid Right. Mm -hmm. I do stupid all the time. We do stupid. But as soon as we realize or God can, you know, convicts us of our sin through the Holy Spirit or another brother or sister points it out to us, we repent and we ask for forgiveness and and we move forward there. And, um, you know, like there's a big difference between um, sin and repentance and and, and godly sorrow and moving forward and then sin that says, yeah, I get it, but I just kind of want to do my own thing. Yep. Unrepentant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, But I think we see that, well, we see that pattern all throughout, especially the Old Testament. But I mean, even David falls into that, like, I see it. I take it, it. I want it, you know, like you, yeah, you you take it, you eat it just like in the garden, you know, it's, it's just this pattern that we see over and over again. Um, and I mean, I'm thinking specifically of David and Bathsheba. Sure. Um, I think that's everybody's favorite David story. Yes. I mean, I used to think of it one way until I went through a first and second Samuel study and, Um, totally look at it with fresh eyes. And I think more even from the eyes of Bathsheba, because I think she can get kind of a bad rap sometimes from some commentators. Um, but just that, uh, like what he did was wrong. It was David. The one was the one that pursued her. And it was one of those things where when the King summons you, you don't to his palace, like, yeah, you don't have a choice. Well, and what are we going to say? Oh, well, David was such a reasonable guy that he would have said, Oh, okay, you're right. No, I mean, this is a guy who had her husband murdered. Yeah. Well, yeah, he knew it was wrong. He concealed it just like in the garden. They try to conceal their sin. Yeah. But but she was really in a rough spot. Yeah. There. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, thinking about that and, and putting yourselves more in the shoes of, of these people, um, I don't, it just opens your eyes a little bit to, you know, some of the, the 
just awful things that go down. Well, and, and what do you, I mean, what do we tell people now, right? Like, like, yeah, nobody wakes up and says, man, I am going to go sin today. Right. But what do we do? We get as close to the edge as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. act shocked and dismayed when we yeah. fall off. It makes zero sense. Like David didn't go up to the roof maybe thinking, I'm going to have an affair today. Right. And it's going to lead to a child that, right. that's going to be born and a husband that's going to be murdered and all of these things. But you know what he did think is, you know what? I might go upstairs and I might look. Yep. Because he and knew what he time it was. He shouldn't have been home to begin he with. He should have been out. He should have been out fighting, and yeah. he was home taking a nap. Right. And he, he, <laughs> he knew what time yeah. of day it was. Yep. He knew what was happening on the roofs, yep. and he goes up there, you know, and, and then he gets a, a step closer. He's like, "Well, just I'll call her over. Yep. I just want to talk to her. Yeah, I just want to meet her. Yeah, like yeah, okay. And then oh, <laughs> we're just gonna drink some wine and, yeah. and have have a you know, like like you could every time it's like I'm I'm taking mm-hmm. another baby step. Still, I'm not gonna fall yep. off. Yeah. Right. I'm just gonna take a step closer and then all of a sudden um they're in bed together and he's like yeah how did i get here well and then you see uriah being a total stand-up guy in this situation too and he's not even an israelite no he's you know being a total stand-up guy and then some yeah and you see him behaving more like an israelite (laughs) than david and so it's just yeah he's going above and beyond right he's like no i like there's no rule that says you you can't have a glass of wine when your your comrades are at war you know Mm -hmm. there's you know the king has called him home the king has told him to go you know um and he says no i'm not gonna do it Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, he is he is saying no um, to the king, which is dangerous. Right. Um, you know, when his wife didn't say no to the king. And I know we don't want to give Bathsheba yes. a bad rap. I mean, the language is he took her. Yes. So I don't think she had a choice. I, I <laughs> would not argue with that. Yeah. Yeah. I would not argue with that. <laughs> oh, it's fun times in yeah. the Old Testament. But, but David, David, in all of his his Yahooness, right? Like, <laughs> like he, he's just. But but there's a difference between his heart and Saul's heart, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like like that's the thing. The behavior is just as dumb. Sometimes they both do stupid. Saul did stupid. David does stupid, but their heart is different. Yeah, and and David's heart when he's confronted with this sin. Yeah, Nathan is, confronts him and is broken yeah. and and repentant. And you know what? David is never confused about the consequences that come upon him. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he says in the Psalms and those poetic things at times like "Woe is me" and "God, you've abandoned me." But but David is not confused that he has brought sorrow onto himself. And he is not confused that God will eventually redeem him. Uh, but, you know, David's life, you know, you think it's soap opera, soap opera-y enough with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the whole thing just takes, you know, a turn when um, he decides to to do dumb again and he gets multiple wives. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so he's got he's got a lot of half siblings um, mm-hmm. in his family, a lot of children that are that are half siblings to each other, and and you get one oh, so that's raping up. his half sister because yep. he's in love with her. But and then David as soon doesn't as he, do anything about as it. As soon as he has her, he's like now disgusted with her and doesn't want her anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and her full brother ends up murdering the half-brother, and yeah. Absalom runs away and comes home and tries to usurp David and ends up taking leadership in the kingdom for a while while David has to hide away. Like, the whole thing is just... The story of David is is very... Um, 
It's so interesting. It, it is. It's it yeah. is very movie like yeah. in terms of the plot and the way it tracks through. Um, mm-hmm. But God continues to be faithful because David's heart continues to be repentant, and it's just a you know it, it comes back to what is the heart. Yeah. And then you get to Solomon. He's he's the the other king that we really you know when you think about the kings you think about Saul who has no heart. David, who has a full heart, and then you get to Solomon, who's kind of got like a half heart. <laughs> you know, Solomon starts off really well. He wants to be wise. He builds the, he prays for wisdom. He builds the the temple of God. He builds a palace. He establishes Israel as a powerful nation, the most powerful in the world at the time. Um, and then he also does stupid. And he decides that he likes women a lot. Yes. Um, and he marries a bunch of them. Some of them he does for political gain because sure. he enters into alliances with other nations by marrying. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them he does because he has a lustful heart. Yep. Um, and uh, I think the, the Bible tells us that he has a thousand concubines. Mm-hmm. Um, and he it just, just feels like so. It just makes me tired. <laughs> well, it <laughs> makes you tired. <laughs> like that's that's a lot. It is a lot. Well, he's, you know, it, it gets to a point where he's just collecting. Yeah. He basically yeah. is at that point in his life where he's taking on all of these things. He he's he's basically, um, you know, whatever he sees, if it looks appealing, he's taking it. He writes in Ecclesiastes, right? Like I sought pleasure in anything. If mm-hmm. if it looked good, I took it. I had yep. it. I experienced it. Whether mm-hmm. whether it was um, a person, mm-hmm. a possession, um, a, an experience, an activity, whatever it was, if he thought it might bring pleasure, he went and had it. And he realized that that wasn't where it was at. It wasn't meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, God brings judgment um, on the whole nation because uh, because Solomon loses his focus. Right. Solomon, when he marries all of those other women, they're all foreign women. And he he goes ahead and he starts worshiping their gods. And and so he brings idol worship into the palace, into the kingdom uh, like it's no big deal. And, and that's where God comes in and says, OK, you know what? Um, I'm going to judge you and and the kingdom of Israel because of this wicked thing that you do. And Carrie and I were talking about this the other day, too. Um, There are still people, because there are some Old Testament writings about not intermarrying with other races. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just want to pause for a second. Yes, it does not mean interracial marriage. There are still some people out there who will point to (laughs) that and say, see, interracial marriages are bad because the Bible says don't do it in the Old Testament. And and I, you know, we we talk about this, and um, you know that is such a misrepresentation yeah. of what the word is saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, the word is not saying that that you should not marry with somebody who's of a different ethnicity or of a, of a different nationality mm-hmm. or race than you. What it's saying is you should not marry somebody who is um, worshiping and chasing after another god mm-hmm. than you. Um, and that's still the mandate today, right? We yeah. we, we marry interracial, interethnic. Yeah. None of that matters. Right. But you should never marry somebody who worships another god, who worships mm-hmm. another idol, in, instead of the god of the universe. Yoked. Yeah, and so like like let's be clear about that. And that's the sin that Solomon commits. It's not marrying foreign women. I mean, Ruth is in the lineage of Jesus, right? And, yep. and she's a Moabite woman, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
you, you look at um, uh, what's her name? Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus, yep. and 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 she's from Jericho. Yep. Like these are not Israelite women, mm-hmm. and, and God, God uses them. Uses them, and we celebrate them. Mm-hmm. But the issue is when you are um, hitching your wagon, so to speak, to <laughs> someone who worships and chases after another God. And yep. that's what Solomon does. And in Leads doing that, trouble. draws him away from God. And God says, okay, so now as a consequence, I'm going to split the kingdom. Because he loves David and David was faithful in his heart and David repented when he made mistakes, God says, I will be true to my covenant to David. I won't break my word. He will always have a, a descendant on the throne in Judah, but I'm taking the rest of the kingdom away uh, from Solomon because he just couldn't do it right, and so they split. And and that's that's where we get to this divided kingdom. And in the north, there is never a good king, ever. Like I mean, they go three hundred and some odd years, three hundred and fifty mm-hmm. some years, and they never have a godly king. And and they don't have a godly king for one simple reason. Um, because they refuse to acknowledge that God is right. Mm-hmm. God says, if you want to worship me, you come to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't want to travel to Jerusalem, so they set up their own holy places, and they start following their own God instead. They set up golden calves, and they never, they never repent of that. So for 350 years, that's what they do. So... Uh, but it's in that time. What's fun about that, you know, is, is how we see all this these signposts blend together in the words. It's during that time where there's a divided kingdom and, and all of these things are happening that we start seeing the prophets play a heavy role. Um, and, and the prophets are always there to remind God's people and remind the leadership of the covenant they have with God mm-hmm. and the way they should be acting because of the covenant with God mm-hmm. and what will happen if they don't. And they always seem to, to be, um, they always seem to be um, almost bipolar in a way. And that's probably <laughs> not the best way to say that, but, but like, you know, in, in one, one chapter, one stanza of, of their prophecies, they're talking about, um, how God is going to bring judgment on the nations around them, judgment on them. And then in the next one, they're talking about how God is going to forgive them and restore them and make everything right. So they, they tell this story of judgment that's coming, but it's always tied to redemption. Mm-hmm. And and there's, there's just some real value in understanding that. Um, I appreciated your breakdown of major and minor prophets oh, on sure. Sunday because I did not know that. Well, and, and it, it seems so silly because like I probably could have googled it if I really wanted to know, yeah. but I was like, well, duh. That makes sense as far as like the prophecies that were given. Yeah, and, and, to and separate some of them, them so yeah. and, and I you know, I, I probably oversimplified it on Sunday okay. simply because I, sure. you know, trying to get Okay, well, all. under so, or wait. So undersimplified? I, I oversimplified it. So, so now, now you're going to under? I want to, we'll just shoot no, the middle. okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, but so, yeah. So like the major prophets, that's over the course of a lifetime, mm-hmm. right? The minor prophets, it's not just like a one prophecy, but it's always around one thing. Okay. Right? Okay. So, so like Hosea, for example, that takes place over multiple years. Sure. Um, you know, he, he marries Gomer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have children. She sells herself into into slavery, into trafficking. He goes and he buys her back. Like that's one prophecy. 
um, but it takes place over a number of years. But it's 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 focused on that one yeah. statement. So so I shouldn't say they're like one time okay. things. Okay. But they're they're about one thing, not about a multitude of things like Isaiah, Jeremiah, sure. okay. uh, Daniel, and Ezekiel. No, but that helps. Yeah. Because I that's something I did not know. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's why. And and, and you know what's interesting is the ones that God chose us to have. Right, because you know one of the greatest prophets, the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Isn't your favorite story? Yeah, yeah is Elijah. Yeah, okay. Elijah okay. is one of the greatest prophets, and we read about Elijah in First Kings and into Second Kings a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but you know, I mean, the thing is, is like he doesn't. We don't have his prophecy recorded. What we have recorded are narratives about him. And some narratives about things he did as a prophet, okay. but but we don't have the prophecy God gave him recorded for us in a book. Huh. Okay. Um, and so there are a lot of prophets. Like there are there are a lot of prophets in the Old Testament that we don't we can't flip to their book and read. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the ones that we have are ones that God chose that He wanted us to have these words in front of us to know and to study and to meditate on something about these words of these prophets, even though it's hard for us to read sometimes, they're living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, separating bone and marrow and soul and spirit, and they, they're good for us, for our instruction. Um, you know, those are the things that God says about the word, mm-hmm. and those are words He gave us. And so yeah. we Well, skip- just like we said last time... All scripture is God breathed yeah. and profitable. Right. So we and when they say all, through, they that mean means all. all. <laughs> yeah. They skip through. We skip through a lot as we read, you know, these mm-hmm. minor prophets because they're hard to yeah to grasp. They're they're mean. definitely harder for me. And we talked about this last week, just um, you know, away from podcasts, but just how both of us tend to gravitate towards the historical narratives yeah. and really just, I mean, and I was talking to someone, one of my friends too, and we were discussing that because we had done we'd both done the psalm study that you did also yep. through um the village church and how like it was good but i still that's not those, my that's yeah, not my bailiwick same thing right? not like, in mine either which was good because i did learn some things i've never it sat stretched back me. with a book of poetry and thought yeah this is awesome i hated all the annotating that they had us do that was like that was really hard for me. Um, yeah, but I, I, I do just love the historical narratives. They're so good. Um, yeah, because that's just my personality. Yeah, if I start something, yeah. I'm going to finish yeah, it, by golly. Like, oh, this just doesn't do it for me. So. <laughs> it has to be real bad yeah, for me for not to quit. finish something. Like, I will power through a bad book even sometimes. Mm. So that's just, I don't know. I have issues. Yeah, I but we that. all know that already. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so where we did you want to talk more about Elijah? Well, I, I mean, just Elijah. You should like, talk about your favorite story. Well, my favorite because your is, face like lights is, up when you talk Elijah. about it. Probably well, how like my face lights up when I talk about judges and the Levite yeah, and the concubine. Probably so. Um, but let's Elijah, do it. Elijah on <laughs> Mount Carmel. So Elijah is uh, a prophet, and he's one of those that that he doesn't have his own book. But but he's a prophet who actively ministers, and he ministers um, in the midst of an evil kingdom. Um, and so what happens is, uh, through the Holy Spirit, you know, Elijah prophesies that there is going to be a drought, that it's not going to rain anymore, and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might wonder, why is why is God doing that to the people, right? These are his chosen people, but God's doing that to the people because the king has led them to the worship of false gods. They're no longer worshiping God. They're worshiping Asherah. 
Uh, they're worshiping Baal. They've got altars set up to Asherah and Baal. They've got prophets to Asherah and Baal. And and so what happens, and we read about this in First Kings, is is uh, Elijah prophesies that that it won't rain for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, all the while, the king is trying to catch him and kill him. Um, but but after three and a half years, he comes to the king and he challenges him. He says, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to have a showdown once and for all between my God, the real God, and the gods you serve, the Baals and the Asherahs. And so what they do is they set up this big showdown on Mount Carmel, and, and they have this scenario where they're going to build altars and prepare sacrifices um, for their gods and whichever God accepts the sacrifice um, will do so by sending fire from heaven to take the sacrifice. And so Elijah lets the prophets of Asherah and Baal go first. There's 500 of them. They build their altar. They take their, their uh, I think it's a cow. They cut it up. They put it on the altar. And they start praying um, to their false gods. Mm-hmm. Hey, Send fire from heaven and take this sacrifice. Prove that you're powerful. And uh, they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and nothing happens. And then one of the things I love about Elijah, one of the reasons is he's my favorite, is because he starts to trash talk, right? Like, like it's a, <laughs> it's a him against these 500 other prophets, and, you know, but he is so confident and his faith is so sure in the God he serves that he is real and that he is powerful and that he is the only true God that he starts to trash talk these 500. At first, he's like, hey, guys, maybe you should be louder. Maybe he doesn't (laughs) hear you. And they are. They're yelling loud. And then he says, hey, maybe maybe Baal is in the bathroom. Maybe he's using the toilet. <laughs> nice. So you should really, nice. uh, really yell to get he, his attention. What was that in the Greek? <laughs> yeah. It sounded, it sounded prettier in the Greek. Um, <laughs> he's dumping out. Or... <laughs> Or something in Greek That's that awesome. sounds better, um, but but they do. They're so they're shouting and they're yelling and they're chanting around, and eventually they start cutting themselves. They start offering their own blood wow. to try to entice their gods to act. See, they don't really believe that their gods can't hear them. What they're believing is that their gods won't. Okay. And that they need to entice their gods to act. See, that that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's true about false gods. Sure, is that. We have to coerce them, right? That to there's get some to work that right. we have to do. Yeah, that's it, it, and we see it all. That's that's why the um, the people, you know, for the gods of Molech, they would sacrifice their children, or they would perform these weird ceremonies and do these uh, detestable things mm-hmm. because they were trying to convince sure. their gods to act on their behalf. Um, sure. So they're they're cutting themselves, they're bleeding themselves, they're yelling, they're chanting, and and God does nothing. They do this all day long. Mm-hmm. Finally, their turns over. And it's Elijah's turn. So by himself, he builds the altar. By himself, he sacrifices uh, the offering. He cuts it up. He places it on the altar. And then he does this weird thing, right? You, you think you would want it to be dry mm-hmm. because they, they're trying to get fire from heaven to consume right. this. But he's like, no, no, no. My God is so powerful. Look what I'm going to do. And he digs a trench around the altar. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he fills up buckets of water. Mm-hmm. And he starts dumping them on top of the offering. So the wood is getting wet. Uh, the offering itself is getting wet. So like it would be impossible for him to light it on fire. Mm-hmm. He pours so much water on that it fills the trench that that uh, he dug around the altar. And so when everything is soaked and the trench is full, he stops and he just prays. Sure. Okay, God, 
show them. Yep. And God sends lightning and fire from mm-hmm. heaven that that um, just takes the offering, incinerates it, takes it to heaven. Uh, it says that that it was so hot and 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 that the fire was so strong that it it lapped up the water like there was no water left in the trenches um, that he had poured um, and. God just in that instant, right? All day long, the prophets of Asherah and Baal, they they chanted, they cut themselves, they yelled, they screamed, mm-hmm. they begged, mm-hmm. and, and, and nothing. nothing. Um, and and Elijah just says, okay, God, show them. Yeah. And he does in this, in this way. And so right there, all of the people of Israel um, mm-hmm. see, wait a minute, Yahweh, our yeah. God, the God of mm-hmm. our fathers and our ancestors, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob—that God is powerful. Mm-hmm. These these gods that we've been chasing after are nothing, mm-hmm. uh, and and um, it's a bloody story too, right? Because it ends with with uh, Elijah commanding the people to kill mm-hmm. the five hundred prophets of mm-hmm. Asherah and Baal, and to go tear down all of the the altars that have been mm-hmm. set up to those false gods. Um, and so that's what happens. And then Elijah prays for rain, and it rains again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just it's just a great picture um, in that moment of Elijah's faith sure. and the way that God uses him as his prophet to turn the hearts of the people back to God. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't last long mm-hmm. um, because we have short memories. <laughs> And so the people, the people are all in on God for Feel a like second. This is the theme of the Old Testament, right? And and, and Matt's life, <laughs> right? Uh, but but they're all in on God for a second. Yeah. But then they get fickle yeah. again. But but you know the other thing that I love about that. One of the things we always say about the Old Testament small g gods, the idols, mm-hmm. the the demons, sure, right? They have power. Mm-hmm. They demonstrate power. Yeah. People didn't worship them. For no reason, right? They had power. It was just false power, or it was weak power, counterfeit mm-hmm. power. But there was real mm-hmm. power. So what I love about that is, you know, that those demons were trying mm-hmm. to send fire. Mm-hmm. You know, they were trying to take that sacrifice. They were trying to show themselves as powerful, mm-hmm. and and God just wouldn't let them. Hmm. It's the other thing that that I love about that. It's kind of we see what happens humanly speaking with. Elijah and the 500 prophets of Asher and Baal. But then you have this whole story that you can't see um, about how God is restraining the power of the Mm -hmm. demons because they don't have any power that he doesn't grant them. Like there's nothing they can do when he won't allow it. And so Mm -hmm. he is actively restraining them so they can't do um, what they're being asked for. Um, So when Elijah's taunting, well, maybe they can't hear you and they're cutting themselves and they're begging them to do something. Um, God just won't let them. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you can't show yourself. um, I love the symbolism there too with the fire, like, you know, God's presence being fire. All consuming, right? And and so it's great. You know, the other thing about that is it's so human. The reason Mm -hmm. I love Elijah, because when that incident is over, that high point of his faithfulness and his prophetic career, Mm -hmm. he has a season of depression. Hmm, okay. And he runs 
And while he trusts God in that grand showdown, Mm -hmm. he doesn't necessarily trust God to protect him from the angry king and queen. Mm -hmm. And so he runs and he hides and and he's so depressed. Mm -hmm. He just wants to die in the wilderness. But even there, God sustains him, sends ravens to feed him, Mm -hmm. um, holds him Mm -hmm. up and Mm -hmm. uh, encourages him. And so I love the humanness of it too, that that even in this great man of faith that Mm -hmm. that demonstrates this just unwavering commitment who prayed for a drought and a drought happened, and then he prayed for rain and rain happened, and he prayed for God to just take this this sacrifice from the altar, and God did. Mm But he's still human. He's still human, and he still struggles. Mm -hmm. But God doesn't abandon him in the struggle. Right. Right? God's not saying, good job with your faithfulness, but you just blew it because you didn't (laughs) trust me here. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, God... thank goodness, right? Right. (laughs) God comes alongside. Yeah. And he loves him, and he cares for him, and he encourages him, uh, and he brings him back. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's a great picture of of Elijah's humanness, of God's faithfulness, and his care for us. It's just... It's just one of my favorite. If someone wants to read that, where where do we point them? Where uh, First them? Kings twenty two. Okay, um, I think is 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 where you know, you can go back a few chapters and sure. start to read the beginning of the struggle with King Ahaz and, and Ahab and and uh, and Elijah and, and mm-hmm. you know Obadiah gets in there a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, so there's some some good story sure. there. But but the showdown is mm-hmm. is in chapter mm-hmm. twenty two. It kind of reminds me of the story in is it First Samuel. Where the Philistines capture the ark, yeah, First Samuel, and um, they they have this god Dagon, yep, and he they wake up one morning and he's like laying on the ground, their god is, and then they wake up the next and they put him back up there. They wake up the next morning and like his head's been chopped or his arms his have been arm, chopped off uh, yeah, or something. Like, like, I can't like, remember because you're basically yeah. the symbol of he's he's yeah. powerless yeah. before me. Yeah, and then they eventually end up sending the ark back. Yeah. yeah, because they all get they get rats. Yeah. <laughs> And they get tumors. Yes. So like all of the people in the village get tumors and rats invade and they're like, oh, this God is too powerful for us. Uh, yep. Send him away. Yep. <laughs> um, and and yeah, and Israel receives the ark yeah. back under Samuel. And but then so, we yeah, then they we forget again. Yep. And we forget again. Yeah. <laughs> and God yeah. is faithful. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, you know it it is. So I, I think it's important for people when they read the Old Testament to really understand what we're saying when we read about false gods, small g gods. They're demons, mm-hmm. and and sometimes they even are demons that act for the benefit. Of the people that are worshiping them. Sure. Not because they're good, mm-hmm. but because they're trying to Woo. gain worship, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, like, it's not unusual for them to do things for. Sure. Right? Because, oh, well, that worked, and so I'll follow. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, but, but what, what they're really talking about is, is demons. Um, and we deal with the same thing today, right? When mm-hmm. we talk about cults. Yeah. And other religious systems. I mean, you know, we, we want to be gentle and we want to be kind and we 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 want to be um, <laughs> we want to be conciliatory. Like like mm-hmm. we, we we don't want to be known as people that are hard to get along with. Right. But at the same time, Truth we have grace. we have to understand <laughs> that that when we are when we are talking about other religions and false religions and you know if if it's contrary to Jesus Christ, if it's mm-hmm. not biblical. Right. It's demonic. Right. And and that's for you know, we see that throughout the Old Testament and we see it today. Mm, that's good. 
Um, well, I think that's a good place to end. All right. Awesome. Uh, did you have any final thoughts on kind of where we're at right now in the series? No. I've, I tell you what, though. I'm really enjoying the series. I hope other people are, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because, one, I think it's nice for us to be able to see historically how these things lay out, to understand the story of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think each week we've been able to see, yeah. why does this matter to me? Yeah. Right, yep. like, like, and how yes, does this it's part Jesus? of the story. Yeah. But what does this, what, what does this have? Yeah, how does it point to Jesus? Which mm-hmm. is really, how does it matter to me? Right, is right. is how does it yep. get me um, closer to God? Yep. Because. Anything that is good for us is getting us closer to God. Yep. And so I, I think it's really been fun. We have, what, maybe three weeks left mm-hmm. in the series. Mm-hmm. And I know um, we'll actually be coming back next week with another podcast talking about mm-hmm. the New Testament and some of those things. But I've really enjoyed it. And, and yeah. it's... Um, you know, it's it's been a different kind of series sure. because of the way that we've, mm-hmm. you know, kind of skipped through the yep, books. Yep. But uh, I hope that it's raised some good questions in people's minds and that people are asking questions of, of um, those that they feel like, you know, can give good answers. Um, yeah. And I know for me, like, I, it doesn't matter how much you study and listen and, and do the things. Like, I feel like there's always going to be some little gaps or some little short circuits and sometimes in the story and stuff. And so that's been good for me to kind of help fill in those a little bit. Um, and then I think kind of makes you want to dig even deeper into those. So I hope that that's doing that's, that the same yeah, for people. I hope that's true. Yeah. Um, like you say, because, because there's so much value just ridiculous value in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And we tend yeah. to we tend to just skip over. Yeah. And you know what? We do as pastors too. Yeah. Well, it's um, hard. Well, e- it's hard, <laughs> but but it's also, you know, even even in the things we preach, when mm-hmm. when we come up with the elders and the church staff, when we come up with sermon series, you know, we tend to focus more on the New Testament. We mm-hmm. tend to focus more there because yeah. like hey, that's the church, that's yeah. Christ, that's sure. the future, that's what's coming and so we focus there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not wrong. Right. But it, but we don't want to neglect mm-hmm. um, God's word and yeah. His story in the Old Testament because it matters. There's a reason He's yep. recorded. You always, I think you said that earlier in this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. That that there's a reason we have what we have. Yeah. Like there's a reason He gave us yeah. what He gave us. Yeah. Um, and Shauna yeah. wondered that last time. I think when she was in <laughs> some of the judges, judges like yeah. like yeah. why did God want us to have yeah. that detail? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's yeah. a reason He gives us. Yeah. What He does in the Old Testament matters and it's important and so hopefully this has encouraged people to be more competent and confident in Mm -hmm. going through it Mm -hmm. i think that um so the small group that i've been in this fall we've gone through the book of hebrews Mm -hmm. which was kind of nice after going through it kind of from a, a higher level um in our sermon series earlier this year to really going digging deep line by line and you know that's one that is kind of like an old testament oh, yeah. study in disguise yeah. of a new testament book yeah. um and so i think that's been really good for our small group too to see that and it, it kind of it leads it makes me think of my favorite jen wilkin quote um that you'll never appreciate the sweetness of the new testament without the savory of the old testament and the more i study the Old Testament, the, the truer that is. And, and then, you know, you have bells and alarms going off in your head when you're reading the New Testament because mm-hmm. that audience would have known the Old Testament. And yeah. So we cut, you yeah. know, it's one of those 
them and then us and now kind of things. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a, a, a good Jen Wilkin quote. I'm sure there's many, um, <laughs> but but that's that's a that's really good one. That's probably my favorite. And I, I tell you what, Hebrews is my favorite mm. book mm-hmm. in Scripture. I love the contrast. Mm. I love looking at Je- Jesus Christ is gorgeous. Yeah, um, and, and mm-hmm. his his office and his ministry and his work and his accomplishments and uh, I, I mean, there's just oh, and, and and when you when you see Jesus as as the better and the fulfillment of the old, you're right. It does yep. give you just such yeah, um, such a great both. understanding. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, if you've ever struggled to understand Hebrews, mm-hmm. it's a hard. It is a hard <laughs> book, but but. Go back, yeah. mm-hmm. spend the time in Exodus yep. and Leviticus, yep. right? Spend yep. the time in Exodus and Leviticus to really help you understand. And if you've ever struggled with Exodus and Leviticus <laughs> in, in what they what they have to do with yeah. the New Testament, mm-hmm. then read them in conjunction with yep. Hebrews because there's just this, this great way that they fit together and it shows mm-hmm. us what they pointed to yep. and how Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. And, Absolutely. Um, and so it is really awesome. So yeah, it's good, good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening.